Well, I kind of feel like enough words have been said, enough demonstrations of God's love and his goodness and how he changes a, a life. But I've prepared something, so I'm going to give it to you anyway. I'm going to talk about true identity in a confused world. Who are you or who am I? It's one of the greatest questions we can ever ask. And if you never find the answer to that question or you die trying, it's one of the greatest travesties in all the world. The date was the 3rd of January, 2020. The venue was the London Stadium. The game was AFC Bournemouth versus West Ham. I'd taken my boys for the first time to their first away game. It was incredible as we entered the stadium, coming from tiny, small AFC Bournemouth into this massive stadium. It was electric. The atmosphere was amazing. The game kicked off. We needed to win. We were fighting relegation, but so were they. The first goal went to the West Ham, the Hammers. They start playing, blowing their bubbles. You know, that's their theme tune. The bubble machine was going. Goal two, more bubbles. Goal three, more bubbles. I'm forever blowing bubbles. Goal four, bubbles. There were more bubbles than there were AFC Bournemouth supporters. I turned to my boys. It wasn't what we'd expected. And because the game was late on, about five minutes to go from the end, I said, come on, let's go. Let's beat the traffic. We had what I would estimate about 10,000 West Ham supporters in the bank above us. As we turned to walk out the exit, we had this barrage of, who are you? Who are you? Cheerio, cheerio, cheerio. 10,000 fans speaking to me and my boys. I tell you, I never have felt so small, so insignificant, so worthless, so far from any kind of identity that I once knew in that moment. And it brought back all my kind of stuff as a kid. And we've heard some of it today on this, on the, from the, the guys who got baptized, that sense of trying to find out who you are. And my life was, was littered with trying to be better. It was all about performance, whether it was football or education or uh, just looking good, how funny was I or not, as the case may be. The clothes that I wore, it was all about trying to impress and to make myself something. Identity, these days, is simply, it seems to be, just be true to yourself. You're like free, free to choose whoever you want to be. You can create your own. And it can be anything you want. But then you put that identity out there. You put yourself out there. This is who I am. And if people, if you do it online, if people don't like it, it gets you right here. 
And if people think that you're not able to live up to that, if you can't, um, you're not true to that identity, then they will scream and they will shout at you. And there's so much pressure, therefore, isn't it, to keep that up. Particularly with this whole world of social media, you have to work harder, you have to do better. And then if you don't do enough, you feel this sense of guilt and perhaps even of shame. And let's be honest, you've got nowhere to take that. We've got nowhere to take that if we're not good enough. And when is enough good enough? And you have to live for something, right? You have to live for something, whether it's your career or money or sex and relationships. And the thing is, those things then become your master. They they become the things that you are working to. And so you're not as free as you thought you were. You're still a slave to whatever you're having to live for. And so today I want to look at Jesus' baptism. And I want to look at it so that it can help us understand something of the true identity that we can find in God. In the background to Jesus' baptism, we read of another man. He's called John. Who's John, I ask? And you might ask too. Well, John was John the Baptist. Many people knew of him. They came from all Judea, Judea, the Bible tells us, to get baptized by him. He was bringing a baptism of repentance with water, like we've seen today. And they came to him, tax collectors, sinners, Roman guards, soldiers. And they said to him, what must we do? We, he said, don't extort them for money, greed. He said, don't make up false accusations to the soldiers. Dishonesty. Others were kind of holding on to all their stuff when he says, you need to share it with those who don't have anything. And he said this, he said, repent and believe. And he, proved, he parved a way for one that was to come. And when they asked him if he was the Messiah, he said, no, there is one greater than I that is to come, one more powerful than I am. And the people must have wondered, well, who is this? Who is this new guy? And they didn't have long to find out. Let's read about Jesus' baptism, we're going to pick up the story in Matthew 3, uh, verse 13. If you, you can look it up, the words will come up on the screen, you can just listen, that's absolutely fine. It says this, then Jesus, this is the new man, this is the man, came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Pick up the rest of the story in a minute. Imagine that you're John. Baptizing, there's there's a sinner, there's a sinner in the line waiting to be baptized. There's a tax collector, there's a Pharisee. Wow, hang on a minute. Jesus 
Shouldn't you be baptizing me? This is what the Bible's telling us. I'm not worthy, John says, to even tie his shoes up. Who's Jesus? Well, God had revealed to John that Jesus was more than just a man. John, when he saw him come in, said, this is the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Wow, that's quite a claim to make about a man. The lamb was a reference to the sacrifice in the Old Testament that was slain, if you like, to atone, make good for people's wrongdoing, for their sin. And now they're saying that this man is a lamb who's going to take away the sin of the world. This was a spotless lamb. You see, there was no sin in Jesus. Both fully God, fully man. But then why did he need to be baptized? Well, Jesus wanted firstly to identify with us. He got baptized to do what he would later ask us all to do. And people have been doing it here tonight and people are doing it across the world, I've no doubt, on this day. And Jesus was saying, in effect, I want to be like them. I want to live with them. This was God come from heaven to earth in the shape of a man. I want to go through what they go through. I want to feel the stuff that they feel. I want to be with them. I want to take the waters of baptism like them because I'm on the side of the broken and the sinner. Jesus, the Bible tells us, came not to be served, but to serve and to give up his life as a ransom for many. So what's this bit about fulfilling all righteousness? What does that mean? Well, we need a rescue. We don't have any goodness of our own. We are unrighteous, if you like, outside of God. And what Jesus is saying here is that it doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter about your lineage, it doesn't matter if your father was Abraham, as it were, for the Jewish people, it doesn't matter about your ethnicity, it doesn't matter about the works that you have done, it doesn't matter potentially if you've been baptized as a baby, it doesn't matter if you were brought up in a Christian home, he's saying what you need is a new identity, you need something given you from outside of yourself that can be yours to live within. Paul in the New Testament says this. He says that he doesn't have a righteousness of his own. In Philippians 3, 9, he says, I have a right that comes from the law. He says, I have a righteousness of that which comes through faith in Christ. The reality is that all the righteousness that all the humans in the world need, you and I, it's Jesus' life that fulfills that. It's all in him. Let's pick up the story. It says this, verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. 
at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Wow, what a moment in Jesus' story and our story. You know, when heaven opens, you know something special is about to go down. And this was special. A voice, audible voice, the father saying to his son, I love you. The Holy Spirit being anointed, falling from heaven and resting on him, remaining on him, anointing him for all that he was about to do, to fulfill all his works. God, confirmed by God the Father, that he is the Son of God and anointed by the Holy Spirit. What was this? This is identity. At that moment, Jesus knew that he was loved. He was reassured at the start of his ministry before he had done anything. Did you get that? There is no performance in this moment of the Father calling out Jesus in his true identity. This is before he'd healed anyone. This is before he'd raised anyone from the dead. It's before he saved anyone from their sins. At this moment, Jesus was a carpenter. He'd done, gone about his work. He had done nothing exciting, but that's the whole point because Jesus was loved anyway by the Father in heaven. And the Father was well pleased with him regardless of what he was about to do. And this is where the world gets it so confused It's all about what we do rather than about who we are. Well, Jesus came to identify with us and we get the opportunity to identify in him. Jesus, the one, the only one, is our only hope for a true identity in order for us to get back with the Father. You see, Jesus lost all his power. He lost all his glory as he came from heaven to earth. He lost all of his privilege and he gave up his life. He died upon a cross for us. He paid a debt that was ours to pay that we could not pay by our own merit and he took it for us and he took it for you and he died in our place so that we might be able to be forgiven of our sin, of our wrong identity, as it were, and to come into a new relationship with him, a new identity, a true identity. You see, the minute I put my trust in his saving work on the cross and I become a Christian, I get to know that God loves me in a way that I've never experienced it before. And it's not because of anything I've done or anything I haven't done. He just loves me. It's what Alex was talking about. There's no performance 
in our identity when it comes from the Father, and he's demonstrating his love to us in that way. It is unconditional, and it is forever. We are righteous because of what Christ has done, not because of anything that we have done and will ever do. At that moment, we are forgiven and truly free. The Bible says in John 1:12, yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, that's Jesus, he, that's Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. We are adopted into his family. We are made sons and daughters and co-heirs with Jesus because of what he has done for us. The same words that Jesus received from the Father are for us too. You are my son or my daughter. I love you. And with you, I am well pleased, completely free, because only Jesus can do this for us. Here's the thing. Jesus is the only master And if you get him, he will satisfy you entirely. And if you fail him, he will forgive you entirely as your Lord and your Savior. That's a quote from Tim Keller. He goes on to say that Christianity has the only identity that is received and not achieved. That's a take home for you and for me, because I need reminding of this too. In Christ, you can find, therefore, your true restored identity so that your story can have a happy ending with him. We are, therefore, transformed. You know, when I left that stadium, there was a little moment where I was shaken, thinking, whoa, But I wasn't stirred because I know, and this isn't arrogance, this is just because of the grace of God, I needed a rescue and he's rescued me and he set his Holy Spirit upon me that enables me to, in those moments, to know who I am, to know my true identity, to know that I live for him. I have a purpose in life and I have significance as I come to worship him and give him my life to see what he would do in it through me with him. All other identities get relegated, a bit like AFC Bournemouth, (laughs) in the face of Jesus. So who are you? C.S. Lewis, in his incredible book, Mere Christianity, he says, in the face of this, there's three types of people. When you're looking for something to satisfy you, to put your identity in, maybe it's a better wife, maybe it's a holiday or a trip of a lifetime, maybe it's the dream job or promotion, whatever it is, maybe it's a college degree. But as you begin to grasp that, if you've noticed it like I am, you realize that actually that thing that I was hanging for, that I was working for, that I was striving for, 
life still doesn't really satisfy me. And then there's another thing that I will go for. Three types of person. Number one, those that just keep striving, perform better, work harder, which ultimately leads to anxiety and a drivenness. Second type of people, there is, they just decide there is no happiness, there is no satisfaction in this world. And they kind of kill the desires of their heart and it might make them a little less of a nuisance when they're out socially, but ultimately they have shut themselves off to a heart that desperately needs to be loved and known. And the final group, C.S. Lewis, he puts it like this. He says, ducklings like to swim. They need water. Babies suck milk. There is milk. He says that desires don't exist unless they can be satisfied. And then he goes on to say this quote that will come up on the screen. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Friends, we were made for another world. <laughs> we were made not just for this life, but for an eternal life with our Lord and Savior, with the one, the Father, who sent his son Jesus to bring us back to him so that one day he could call us home, as it were, to be with him forever and ever. But of course, Jesus satisfies now, and he will satisfy then. It's just that no other desire in this earth satisfies like him. Maybe you're being pursued by God because that's the way God is, because he loves you, and he wants you to know a true identity in him. Maybe he has destined you to be a son and a daughter of this incredible king. And so in closing, I just want to offer this thought that Christianity, that the things that we've been celebrating and you've been hearing about tonight, maybe it has better resources. Maybe it's a better way than you currently have at your disposal to find what you're truly looking for. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to keep investigating him because he loves you. What must you do were the words that they said to John the Baptist. And his reply was, repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. Believe in this one. And friends, we're going to sing in a moment. You can know that true identity today. You can be born again in a moment if you want to. If you repent of living for anything other than God and turn to him and repent of your sin and decide to trust him and tell him that as you pray to him, which you can do through this song and he will rescue you and he will set your feet upon a rock and he will give you a new destiny forever 
as a child of God who is loved by the Father. And that's what he loves to do. Should we stand together? The band are ready. If you do pray that prayer, or even if you think, I'd like to pray that prayer, then I'll just ask one thing. That you would tell someone who knows and loves Jesus (laughs) that that's what you were thinking, or that's what you were praying so that they can help you come to know him more because you'll never regret it and it will be the greatest decision you've ever made. You'll finally know who you are and who you're meant to be. Thank you, Jesus.